Welcome to today's episode of Lending Made Easy. Today we've got Brian Peckinpah and David Catalano, and we're going to be discussing how to approach scored small business lending. There are several benefits for scored lending, but it can also be pretty daunting. So I'll throw out the first question. When's the right time to start looking into scored small business lending? I think as with a lot of things, the right time to look into it is six months ago. And this one in particular, because a lot that goes into a good, and I'm going to I'm gonna maybe lump it into a bigger bucket, Mitch, and into auto decision lending or factor-based lending. Because to be good at that, I need to understand what good credit looks like in my customer base. Because I can be two very similar sized institutions a block away from each other. And what good looks like in the market that I happen to serve might be wildly different than the next bank's market, all based on what focuses I have, the types of businesses I serve, et cetera. And so a great first place to look is in the decisions you have been making already. Looking back at the last six months, 12 months, maybe more, to say, what were the easy decisions? Where was the simple in what I did that I can replicate with a system? And that requires you to have a loan origination system in place that has the tracking of that data that I can go back and look at the decision factors and criteria that went into making that loan decision. And then I'll use a phrase that I think a lot of a, a lot of clients and prospects get frustrated with, but I think this really is relevant to this conversation. And that is you got to take a crawl, walk, run approach. Now, I think that tends to drive people a little crazy because they associate crawl with slow. And that doesn't have to be, right? It, it just means starting small. Don't try to eat the elephant in one bite, figure out the best strategic way to eat it in multiple bites. And it's looking back on what are those simple factors. The example I use all the time is why would I want to go through a full underwriting process to give a $25,000 loan to a business owned by somebody who has millions of dollars in the bank with me? That should be a no-brainer yes every single day of the week just from a customer service retention perspective and making sure I'm doing what's right and what's necessary to retain my best clients. Then you can start building on that over time and you may build quickly, right? You may find a lot of things uh, in your particular decision processes that, that are easy and fast to replicate. And then you can eventually work your way up to, as you were saying, Mitch, the score-based concepts and determining what are the true predictive nature of those to my client base. The scores aren't the same for everybody, even though it's the same result, right? How I view a, a score of 400 could be wildly different than how David thinks about a score of 400 based on how we're looking to apply it. So again, Long story short, you should have started six months ago if you want to be doing it now. But the next best option is starting now, is starting to collect that data and start building your analysis for how you're going to make those decisions in the near future. Yeah, the other interesting approach you could take is take your existing portfolio and score it. Yeah. And then score it again in six months. And or quarterly if you want, but. You know, give it some time because it is a lagging indicator. Score it again and then compare those scores and look mm -hmm. for deterioration or improvement and then dig in and see what's happening there. The other thing I think it's culturally important to understand is that you have to rely on data. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to make a decision, 
based on a score. You've got to trust the score. So you're going to need to get everyone comfortable with that. And that could potentially take time because people like to use their critical thinking skills on the credit side and analyze coverage and collateral and industry and all the good stuff that we've come accustomed to looking at and putting and assigning good or bad to. And all that goes out the door. And sometimes you get a score and you're like, why is the score so high relative to this score? This package has all this stuff going for it, but this one doesn't, yet the score is higher, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but there's a lot in scoring, right? The guys that create these scores are, you know, they got a lot of data behind them yeah. and they've got a lot of experience behind them. So really scoring it and getting used to those numbers and scoring your portfolio. And then we have a this isn't a shameless plug. It's just a plug. We have a product called Portfolio Monitoring, and we actually grab the scores and pull them in and just compare them for you and tell you which ones to go talk to based on what you're trying to determine. Is the score higher? Go talk to them. Is the score lower? You should definitely talk to them. But it's just a way to analyze the data. You got to get comfortable with the data. Also, if you're in a niche, definitely want to be thinking about how can I apply auto decisioning to my niche? So I spent 11 years in niche lending. Dental was one of our niches. Absolutely a wonderful place to score. I could look at a dental deal and tell you right away if there's any good mm -hmm. immediately. But with a score, you can really make that easy. And you can get your decision dollar amount pretty high with a score in a particular niche. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you've had to disposition some bad credits in the past, you understand the, the industry and how it works and where the risks really are and how to dispose of the asset. But most of the time, you're running into situations where the loans are performing really well, especially here lately in the last decade. So it, what a great opportunity to score. So if you've got a niche, absolutely start looking at scoring in those niches. And all niches that seem to be similar are not. That's what I found mm -hmm. in the fact, because we did niches nationwide and they're just not, they just behave differently. Yeah. So understand your niche and I would definitely start scoring them. And then you can do your regular underwriting, right? And then you can just score mm -hmm. and compare your scores to the underwriting and then look at the results. Mm -hmm. um, so building up score loans over time and comparing how they're performing versus how your decisions went, compare and contrast what a high score would be versus your decision and did you have bad loans on your manually decisioned, judgmental type decisioning process? Now, granted, we haven't had a ton of bad loans in a while, right? We've had a really strong economy for the most part. We're about to come upon a portion of the economy that's not going to be very good. So we're probably going to have more. There'll be more stuff to look at, more testing of your judgmental process versus a scored process. If you don't have a scored process, obviously you're not going to be comparing that, but a lot of opportunity for, for scored auto decisioning in lending. And it doesn't have to be just the extremes, right? It could be mm -hmm. your bread and butter, your bread and butter lending under a certain dollar amount. But there are firms out there like FICO that claim their product have, has efficacy up to a million dollars. So there's plenty of opportunity within commercial lending in the community space to provide auto decisioning. Yeah, you, you hit on something in there, David, that's, I think, critically important. And that's before you start looking at doing this, you've got to make sure you're culturally prepared. If you're not willing to deal with that stratification, don't do this. And it's on both sides of the spectrum. I've seen it bite plenty of organizations where you've got credit risk people looking at the approves and trying to back those out because of factors they don't like. And then you've got RMs and others that are trying to do the deal that see a decline and want to approve it for extenuating circumstances and factors. If you're going to set those boundaries, if you're going to set those thresholds, you got to learn to live with them and you've got to be culturally prepared to accept what happens 
inside of your approval and denial bands. So we need a gray area strategy. Exactly. What that's, is that, that's critically, critically <laughs> What important. is that? Tell us. Yeah. <laughs> so your gray area strategy, if you think about those auto decisionings, is how do you think about the middle? How do you think about the things that aren't an easy yes or an easy no? And, and that's where you need to play with those bands, right? And, and some organizations will start with only uh, auto declines, right? And so my gray area is any and all yeses. Some organizations will start with only auto approvals. Doesn't happen very often. That's a lot harder one. Cuts way more out than most people are comfortable with. But most organizations will say, I have a top end that I'm always going to say yes to and a bottom end I'm always going to say no to. Those that do it best are the ones that are able to tighten the band as much as possible because that's where you're maximizing your high value resources. The more I can put into the hands of sensible auto decision, kind of going back, David, to all the things you were talking about, making sure I'm looking at all the things that are going to make me comfortable with those decisions, not chase too much business away because I'm saying no, but also getting the ones that I should. The more narrow that band is, the more time my critical thinkers are going to have to think about those deals and come up with ways to effectively say yes to the transactions that I want. But it, it is a critical piece of this, really understanding your comfortability with the gray area strategy, because some people just aren't. They want everything to be gray, and it doesn't work <laughs> in this in this space. If you're going to do this, you've got to have some black and you got to have some white, because if everything's gray, you might as well not do the process. Yeah, and if you're serving a niche, speed's going to be important, so you want to mm-hmm. narrow that gray band. Some niches are more forgiving than others, right? So it's just a less volatile industry tend to do pretty well, even when the economy gets tough. They just continue to produce on the business side of things. That gets back to that dental experience I'm talking about. So at the end of the day, um, you need to really understand how you're going to apply the tool. And again, if you're in a niche and speed's important, narrowing your gray area is going to be really, really helpful. And then potentially explaining to, to before, let let the reputation of your credit get out there into that niche so that people know when to come to you, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you can really take a lot of costs out of your system if you're not underwriting that loan. We talked earlier in a different podcast around a 74, 75-day turnaround time for a commercial loan and knocking that down to 35 days. Well, you don't want to spend 75 days doing something you can auto-decision you know, because it's a strong niche, it's a strong, it's a strong borrower. You can do a score and be done with it. You're going to do a lot more of those. You're going to attract those. You're going to magnetize them. So I would definitely encourage you to consider this evaluation quickly. Just get it started. Just start collecting the data. It doesn't hurt you to do that. You got to buy some software to to run that and collect it. But so what? It's nominal cost relative mm-hmm. to what you can gain on the business side, both internally on the efficiency side. And then externally to your customer base. Yeah. Well, David, you and I were having a kind of off the mic conversation about does volume matter? You know, how do you think to think about this? And it's that's where it gets really interesting is if I can use tools and technology to say yes to something that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten. And I'll use your example of the niche lending and speed mattering. If I don't have those tools in place, I'm going to miss deals. I'm going to miss out on some of those because I can't make the judgmental decision fast enough. And so putting the tools in place, it may only mean one or two deals. That's enough to pay for a lot of software. If I'm getting one or two deals Mm -hmm. a month or one or two deals a quarter that without a tool I wouldn't get because I'm not fast enough, 
I'm not able to compete with others that have the technology in the marketplace, those margins pay for a lot. If I'm able to compound that month over month, year after year, I don't need a ton of volume to to make this make sense. If I'm capturing new market, if I'm expanding into new and different businesses, if I am capturing larger deals, going after them with speed and efficiency, I can pay for this in a lot of ways that doesn't require me to do hundreds of loans that fit this category on a monthly basis. Yeah, and I would argue you can also pick up yield. Yeah, absolutely. Speed, people will trade a bit of yield for speed and for for convenience. I think you all are bringing up some really good points. Speed, Speed definitely matters. And I think something else to consider with scored lending and auto decisioning since it's so data-driven, is also the consistency factor, mm-hmm. right? Anything that's data-driven, it's going to provide a lot more consistency, letting you focus, Brian, to your point on that gray area strategy where it's not the easy yes or easy no. So I guess with that in mind, if you're a bank or a credit union, how would you determine success with a scored lending approach, an auto decision approach, looking at that holistically from the idea of speed and how much it matters, but then also with the idea of possibly increasing the consistency in your loan decisions as well. Yeah, the most critical thing is you got to come at it from a multi-factor point of view. It's easy to get caught up in just looking at top line revenue or or simple factors, if you will. Uh, but I think you need to really come at it from all of the elements. You need to look at what is it doing to my credit quality? Is my credit quality improving by leveraging the data, Mitch, as you were talking about, by by bringing more factors in that are non-judgmental. So taking the human emotional factor out of it, am I seeing a change for the positive in my credit quality or did I expect a decline in credit quality? There are folks that implement these types of processes to gain on the top line, but be willing to sacrifice a bit on the credit quality because the additional business that I bring in makes up for the loss on the back end. So I think you, you got to sit down and figure out why am I getting into this? What am I looking to accomplish? What are my key goals and objectives in implementing a strategy like this? And then start to determine what is it that I want to measure. You should be looking at number of deals in aggregate. How is that trending? I should be looking at yield or margin on the deals that I do. Is that improving based on what I'm doing? I It's going to kind of sound funny maybe at first. I should also look at the results of the manual decisions that I'm making. Because again, part of this is freeing up the people. So taking them away from the smaller quote unquote, easier deals and putting more time on the more complex deals, I should see improvement there as well. I shouldn't see stagnation in that. So making sure you factor that into your analysis, that part of putting a solution like this in place is getting better at the judgmental because I've got more time and capacity to to do so. So I really need to sit down and look at it in totality and break down all of the factors that that go into how this moves the needle for your organization. And then you got a lot of really good things to measure. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that would be just look at what business problem you're trying to solve and did this solve it? Mm -hmm. So here's an example. So we were working with a bank and they were implementing a small business loan origination department. So they hired a person, came from another bank, no small business lending, not SBA lending, just scored lending. And this particular bank was referring out every loan under a million (laughs) dollars. Can you believe that? 
So um, that's pretty easy. How many loans under a million dollars are they now doing through this department? Right. So you've got that. You've got the business case. What you're trying to do is plug this hole in your process. And, and you know, you hire people and, and put a process together to do that. And you just measure how you're doing against that. But that's a very defined business problem they were trying to solve. And that's how they should measure their success. And then, you know, there's lots of ways to do it. But it, again, it gets back to what am I trying to solve and did I solve it? And there, everything that Brian's talking about dead on. You should track those items because those are ancillary to the ideal solve that you put this in place mm-hmm. for. So it's typically a solve, and then there's then there's the additional benefits of the solution, and maybe those other benefits allow you to um, really pay for it over and over and, and grow in new and different areas. The other thing I would do is I would look through your business and look for common industries. What industry types do you have? And do you have a lot of the same ones? And does that industry type lend itself to a scored approach? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And see if you can apply it to that particular. You may have a, who knows, you may have an equipment, a, a, a commercial equipment supplier, and you may be doing deals with them throughout a branch network. You didn't realize you had 100 of them on the books, and they're all performing really well. Could you apply small business scoring, yeah. auto decisioning to that type of business and just right. transform that and triple that? Right. I, and I would also just continue to, I mean, caution is not the right word, but I'll use it. That make sure you're always looking at those ancillary benefits because you're, again, mm-hmm. spot on, David. And But not forgetting that if I turn technology towards those specific industries, what that does inherently is free up the rest of my staff for the mm-hmm. other things. And so just judging, you're right, you need to build that business plan. You need to identify what you're trying to solve for and and answer, did you solve it? But then you got to look at what else did solving that problem open me up to do, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I solve that problem and I can then redirect my resources to say, now that you're not bogged down on these smaller deals, now that we've given the organization the technology to do things in an automated manner, can you use that increased capacity in your day to go get another big commercial loan? Can you go get me a CRE deal? Can you go get me things that move the needle even further because I've taken the low-hanging fruit off your plate? Exactly. You're creating capacity in the system. Yeah, some great ideas for any financial institution that's wading into this automated scored business lending approach. That's something that we talk with clients day in and day out. So if that's something that that you're looking at at your financial institution, please reach out to us. We'd love to have that conversation. And hopefully you're able to take away some great concepts from this episode. So Brian, David, great topics today, great conversation. And thanks everyone out there for listening to today's episode of Lending Made Easy.